Welcome to the Beef Brunch Educational Series podcast, bringing you information on cattle production and management in Louisiana and surrounding states. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all for joining us for our Beef Brunch News Update for Tuesday, September the 6th. Um, We were just talking, Vince was saying it's raining a little bit where he is, so I'm going to go ahead and, and let you kick that off, Vince, and tell us our update for Central and South Louisiana, please, sir. Well, thank you all for having me this week. And, uh, you know, as we you, we spoke, Jason said before we started from uh, feast to famine or famine to feast, if you would, because it's, you know, we we begged for rain. We prayed for rain all spring and summer. And it's uh, it's amazing. It's been raining here for a month solid. I mean, it went rained twice at my place yesterday. Uh, we went to bed with rain last night, woke up to rain this morning. Uh, it's just showers, but it's it, we haven't had any sunshine. Uh, just agonizing the ground is wet. We're faced with mosquito issues as we normally do in the south this time of the year. Uh, we're, it, the explosion hadn't come hadn't hadn't made its way yet, but it's coming. I, I just I think if we get five or six days of dry weather uh, to allow those 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 mosquitoes to hatch, we're going to have a problem. But um, I I don't know. It it's, it seems to be always a problem in. September and October before we get a cool front. Hopefully we get a cool front that'll push them further south. But anyhow, with that being said, um, you know, the, the, the threat of not making enough hay early on because of dry conditions, uh, most of our hay producers are, are, are waiting, uh, hooked and ready to go uh, for good weather. Uh, it's, you know, the hay's big and rank, it's, it's you know, quality. We, we passed the window of, of high quality. We, we're losing quality by the day, um, you know, the market seems to be favorable. I'm sure Jason will cover that, and Lee's pretty in tune with that in his part of the world. Uh, there's a lot of optimism amongst farmers, but you know, as we we keep uh, filling on that same fiddle, it's you know the input costs are still um, out out of range, you know, to to really uh, increase some uh, profit margins, so to speak. But um, anticipating a good good fall run of these springborn calves, and and hopefully everybody can be wise about spending their money, but uh, it, it's time to, you know, keep horn flies in check. Uh, we, we're seeing a lot of horn fly populations. Uh, we're, we're seeing some armyworms starting to build up. Uh, and, you know, I think the take on that is, it's, we've been we've been so wet and people are going to just probably, you know, think that they're going to just let them eat and how, how long they're going to eat on big rank hay, I don't know, but uh, it's it's just, every, Whichever way you turn, it's like it's a it's a negative impact on, on the direction we're going. So hope weather in the near future and uh, get everybody in, in on the upswing. And you know, we, again, in, in our part of the world, we we got a lot of crop here. Uh, we they struggled to get the corn out here lately. A lot of soybeans have been sprayed uh, to def, been defoliated, uh, waiting to be harvested. We had some from 15 to 50 percent damaged soybeans. Uh, so it's it was a struggle to get them get a crop grown and a struggle to get them harvested and and it's just it's been terrible. Um, a lot of areas it's time to plant sugarcane. They can't get in the fields because it's too wet in areas. Uh, however, there are some dry spots where where they're getting some of them. Uh, the rice harvest has been a struggle. Uh, visited one one local rice farmer close to me where where we're located and uh, they were two to three weeks behind schedule on finishing their harvest. So. Um, that, that's really tough and I mean it rutted fields up and so that's an added expense of fuel and, and some some type of way to get those ruts out of those rice fields uh, which is a, a major undertaking which 
most of them are crawfish ponds, so you, you can't you limited on what you can get in there and do uh, waiting on crawfish production. So uh, it's, it's been it's been a remarkable uh, turn of events as far as the weather conditions here in central and south Louisiana. Needless to say, it's 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 time for a, a change in the weather pattern and, and getting things straightened out. Hopefully that, that happens soon. Did you want to touch on your master cattleman class real quick? Oh yeah, I failed to mention that. Uh, yes, we we're currently have a registration going on for a master cattleman program, uh, which will be held at uh, the Chauncey Pete uh, multi uh, multi use facility in Evangeline Parish, starting October fourth. Uh, we do have some interest, uh, and I have not made contact with the secretary there in that office yet uh, to see where we're at. But I know we do have some registrations. Um, there was a lot of anticipation of this happening, so I, hopefully we get uh, the amount of people we need to, to make this a go, because it's been our third attempt from Point Capi Parish to Borgard Parish. Now we came back to more central part of the state, and hopefully uh, it's been my third attempt in two years to, to have a program, and, and hopefully we get enough interest. Registration will close on September 28th. Thank you. Um, and I know we've had, or I, at least I've seen a couple of questions on social media and a couple of questions to me, um, just in general about Master Cattlemen and how it works and, and when it's offered and where it's offered. Um, so the link that I have posted in the video and podcast descriptions for registration for Vince's Central Region will also show you all of the um, the locations for the year. I update that as each agent gets it to me. Um, so basically for the Ag Center, we've divided into five regions. We try to offer uh, one class at least every other year, if not every year in each of the regions. Um, so you'll be able to see who is in charge of it in kind of your area. And you can contact that agent and see, you know, do they offer it in the spring, do they offer it in the fall? Um, and then also within each region, the agents try to move it around to different parishes to hopefully accommodate. So like Vince just mentioned, um, he's offered it in three different locations within our central region. And so we're just trying to to be able to make it a little uh, more feasible for you all to be able to join us. But I just I've had a couple questions on that in the last couple of months and wanted to touch on that real quick. Uh, Lee, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you for our northwest region update, please. Thank you, Ashley. Glad to be with you all this morning. Uh, like Ben stated, what, what a difference it's, it's been in the last three, four weeks in northwest louisiana and uh, i guess north uh north central northeast as well extending on over jason's way uh went from uh, drought conditions all, all the way to uh excessive rainfall in places i talked to one person that stated that since uh, uh the last three weeks or the last four weeks excuse me they've gotten over 14 inches of rain and and that's just unheard of in our part of the country for this time of year. The weather though is mostly wet and humid. Everybody's been getting some pop-up showers, uh, storms, uh, widespread. Some of these little storms can pop up and dump a couple of inches in just 30 minutes an hour. And so, you know, everybody's getting to join in on that. 
And what that's done is our pastures just look exceptional. That's, that's the only word for them in this time of year. Our, our summer perennial pastures, uh, Bermuda grass, Bahia looks good. Um, cat, cattle shouldn't have trouble finding anything to eat right now unless you're uh, excessively stocked, so to speak. A um, couple of curious notes, though. With, with this much rainfall in, in, the, in, in the late summer, early fall, um, it brings about some interesting scenarios, stuff we don't usually see this time of year. One of the things is we're, we're seeing quite a bit of volunteer ryegrass popping up, and I know that's not unheard of, but uh, uh, all the same, the amount is kind of startling to see. Uh, in, in addition to volunteer ryegrass, we've got a lot of that volunteer clover popping up. Most everybody who has clover on their places, you part the grass a little bit and and uh, and you'll see some clover starting to emerge. I talked to a, a fellow over in the southern part of the Red River Valley uh, the other day and we were talking about some cocklebur controls and he, he was wanting to get out there and do a chemical control on it. And I, I encouraged him to take a look at his clover, and he did, and he had quite a bit there, and decided against it. He decided to to bush hog instead of uh, instead of applying a herbicide. Um, hay production is just basically stalled, as Vince stated. Everybody's hooked up, everybody's ready to go. They've got it on their minds. The weather forecast up this way has has started to look a little bit more favorable for hay production. Um, we, just a couple of days ago, the long rain forecast were calling for 50% or better chances of rain for at least seven to 10 day period. And that's been backed off now. And it looks like a window may be opening for us towards the latter part of this week to sneak in and get some hay cut. Uh, it, it's difficult right now. Yesterday, I kind of, uh, I, I worked outside all yesterday and, and was kind of monitoring the dew situation and the dew didn't leave uh, at my home until about one o'clock in the afternoon and that, that that's not hay curing weather not if you're you're making dry hay it's not um, so we've got to have a change in this weather before any uh, substantial hay can can be made um, you know that there there's been some people that have tried to sneak in some hay in the last week week and a half uh, some folks that uh, cut hay with the intentions of, of wrapping it for baleage, and they made they were able to make it pretty good. There were some folks that um, that cut some dry hay that got it wet and and wound up wrapping it for baleage anyway. That high moisture hay, so everybody's just kind of sitting on go as far as hay goes. One thing about the amount of rainfall and the length of of time that we've had this rainfall is it, it the folks around here that produce hay getting kind of a sense that uh, they're being robbed, so to speak, of an additional cutting. Back when, back two or three weeks ago when we got that first onslaught of, of big rain, everybody was under the assumption that we could just come in there and make a cutting and potentially get one more cutting in the fall. Increasingly, you talk to these producers and they, there, there's a sense of, uh, what we what we have growing right now is it uh, that we're going to wind up cleaning these fields up and not getting much growth between now and first frost. Um, it's hard to believe it's already September, 
but we're grateful for the rainfall and even though we may not make two cuttings out of this rain event we're grateful to have it for sure uh just a reminder i think we talked about this last news update uh, we're going to be hosting our cattle pregnancy determination clinic. We're going to have two opportunities. They're one-day clinics. They're at the Hill Farm Research Station. The two dates are October the 18th and 20th. So it's coming up uh, fairly quickly. And if, if your name was already on the wait list, you should have been notified. Uh, if, if you're interested in it, you can call the research station, 318-927-2578 or you can reach out to any of us and we'll get you the needed information to get you signed up for that event. This is a, a event where we have to limit participation and we, we fill up every time. So I encourage you if you're interested to get in contact with one of us pretty quick so that we can get your name on the list and get you registered. Um, some cattle are being worked at this point, uh, kind of a fall works if you will. Um, a lot of fly controls as Vince stated the, the flies are horrendous right now and people are throwing everything at them but the kitchen sink so to speak trying to trying to get a control on those on, on those things and just a couple of reminders talking about cow working um, when, on these fly control remember to rotate that active ingredient in whatever product you're using uh, resistance is a very real thing on horn flies uh, Hill Farm Research Station has done work over the years on resistance amongst horn flies. It is it's very real and it happens fairly quickly. So rotate those active ingredients around. Uh, talking about resistance, I do want to make mention as people are working these cows in the fall, uh, there there's some internal parasite controls being being uh, meted out and uh, remember to rotate your active ingredients on your on your dewormers as well. Uh, you know, a lot of people in this part of the country will, will try to use a, a oral uh, oral worm, dewormer in the fall because usually the flies are not as much a problem as they are in the spring. I've talked to a couple of cattlemen that have stated that they plan on using a, por a poron dewormer this fall instead of an oral one. Well, that's that, that's fine, but just keep keep in mind to rotate those active ingredients because resistance in on internal parasites is very real as well. And, and we can really see some drops in efficacy on these products um, if you overuse them, if you don't rotate around on, on the, the classes uh, of active ingredients and, and so on. Uh, the final thing I'm going to mention is we're, we're sneaking into livestock show season, uh, fall livestock show season in in this part of the world. Of course, State Fair is the is the uh, pinnacle for the fall season in in our corner of the state. There's a lot of parish livestock shows going on, parish fairs up this way. But uh, what I wanted to make mention is we we talk quite a bit about livestock showing and the benefits of it for our youth. But uh, sometimes we don't give advance notice, I guess, of of when you should be getting it on your mind as far as getting a project, selecting a project, planning it out, uh, getting registered with your local extension agent. Well, I just wanted to make mention that while we're headed into fall show season, that this is the hot time for folks to be getting planning, getting and, and securing and 
uh, a, a livestock project for the spring show season, which the pinnacle of that is, of course, the LSU livestock show in February. So if you're interested in that, I just want to encourage you, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably a cattle producer. Uh, you, you probably showed livestock as a kid. Get your kids, get your grandkids involved. The, the livestock project for the youth is, is still just a great project and, and we want to encourage uh, participation amongst our cattle folks on that. So if you have any questions on that, you can reach out to any one of us. Of course, your local extension agent, 4-H or county agent can, can lead you in the right direction, but get in contact with us. If you're not sure how to start, we'd be more than happy to, to, to provide a, a path on that. Um, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The um, the youth livestock projects, particularly the cattle projects, can fit hand in glove with a with a commercial cow operation. Uh, so if you have any questions on that, just let us know. We'll we'll point you in the right direction. Actually, I think that's all I got. Thank you, sir. Um, so before we recorded this morning, Jason and I were visiting, talking about the pregnancy determination clinic and just the importance of pregnancy determination. So as Lee mentioned, there's always a wait list for this class um, and we can only take about 15 per day or per class for that just due to our facilities. But just a reminder that whether you take this class or you're getting a vet out there to determine pregnancy in your herd, there's a lot of different benefits on it. Um, if you've listened to me preach about this in any of the classes or at a field day or whatever, I always have a chart that I pull up and, and it goes over the economic impact of open cows. And I've got it pulled up on my other screen here um, just to kind of give some examples. So, you know, Lee and Vince both already talked about input costs a little bit this year. And yeah, we hope that calf prices are as good as they're going to say they're going to be. But is it matching out on our input costs and, and what are we looking at there? And I know that this year, especially um, every year is tough, but this year especially is tough to try to make sure you're you're either making a profit or you're at least breaking even um, or that debt's as low as it can possibly be as it is some years. But we also mentioned Friday, I think Jason and Lee and I were in a, um, a meeting and we were talking about the fact that a lot of our guys don't calculate the cost that it takes to run a cow per year. Um, again, we, we probably don't want to look at that some years, such as this year, at what it takes. But when we start talking about our open cows and the economic impact of it overall, you have to think about what that cow is costing you just to keep her on your place for the year. You have to think about the loss that you would have had if you had sold that calf. Um, and so if, if I'm just looking at this chart, you know, example, if we have an annual production cost of $800 a head per cow, um, let's say we lose out on $200 from her not producing a calf just to round it off at $1,000. Um, if you look at 12% open um, in your herd, so 88%, I had to think about that for a second, 88% uh, uh, pregnancy rate in your herd, you're looking at losing $12,000 there just easy right off the bat. So one, I think from an economic impact, because we keep talking about that, that's huge. But let's also think about your forage resources and your feed resources. So the guys have already talked this morning about um, having the ryegrass ready to go, having enough hay. Are we going to have enough hay? Are we going to have enough feed? So the more cows that you have to feed, of course, the higher your feed bill. Well, if they're not making you any money because they're not producing a calf, you don't want to keep them there. So I know a lot of guys at the end of the day, they say, well, I just it costs too much to get the bed out there. It just costs too much to have this done. 
think about what it's going to cost to have them come check preg check your herd. Um, I think on average you can look at ten to twenty dollars a head, something like that, from your veterinarian. But just give them a call um, and see what it's going to cost for them, depending on their travel, to come out there and check for you. But think about that cost versus that thousand dollars that you're losing per head or whatever it may be if you keep that open cow on your place. Um, so we just wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit. Just overall, the economics of it again, how much you're losing, but also being able to manage your resources more efficiently um, in terms of keeping bred cows and being able to manage those to the best of your ability. So with that, Jason, if I missed anything that we talked about in terms of that this morning, please chime in. But I'll go ahead and turn it over to you for our Northeast update, please. Thank you, ma'am. I guess the reason I wanted to put that on your mind this morning is we're about 60 days away from um, um, what we typically uh, consider our first uh, killing frost. So uh, we know the landscape's going to be changing pretty drastically around that time. Um, so it's it's time now to start planning. Uh, I, I'm a planner. I mean, that's just that's just the, my nature. I know not everybody is that way, but uh, uh, I think we all realize that there's there's more of the cattle industry than just raising calves. I mean, we got to be pretty good planners and uh, we got to be very efficient uh, whenever we're in the kind of markets that we're in right now, where we've got really good prices, but we've got really high inputs. And uh, we just got to be really good managers. So uh, y'all have heard Vince say this several times. Visit with whoever you buy your ryegrass from. Uh, get that on your mind. Start talking about booking that ryegrass. Uh, and I, y'all, I realize it's it's difficult to think about planting ryegrass right now, as green as everything is. It's difficult, but you need to make those plans ahead of time instead of waiting until oh, I need to plant ryegrass this weekend. Um, and you need to need just need to plan and, and prepare for that. As we look at the markets, uh, slaughter volumes for this past week. Uh, so that's the week ending September the 2nd was 638,000 head. That was down 40,000 from the previous week, but up 17,000 from last year. Uh, we do expect that pa packers will be purchasing cattle this week, so they'll have um, um, uh, a partially um, they won't have a full cattle, uh, full cattle slaughter. Since yesterday, the plants were down. Uh, yesterday being Labor Day, uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday morning. Um, so we'll uh, we'll expect uh, prices to to reflect that. Uh, choice box beef closed the week at 259.73. That's down three dollars and fifty six cents, with a choice select spread of twenty dollars and sixty six cents. That's down $4.41 from the previous week, but we're still almost $10 higher on that spread as we look at it on a five-year average for the same week. And the fed cattle market prices were softer this past week. In the north, most trades occurred from 143 to 145, which is about a dollar weaker uh, compared to the previous week. Uh, in the south, cattle traded at 141, which was also about a dollar lower. Live cattle futures market settlements in the front months ended the week with October up $1.75 at $144.55 and December up $1.67 at $150.25. Um, so live cattle futures ended the week about a dollar higher when we compare them to the week open. Five to 600 pound steers, medium and large ones and twos, sold between $164 and $186. So that's $12 to $5 lower when compared to the previous week. 
Um, so I, I put a note in here just to remind everybody about seasonality on calves. Uh, so uh, seasonally, well, we do expect calf prices to tail off in September and October uh, because of volume and availability of, um, are increasing because they're weaning that spring-born calf herd uh, or that calf crop. Uh, so September, October is when we're weaning those, so we've got higher volume, higher availability, uh, which is, uh, is why we would seasonally expect that those calf prices would soften up a little bit this time of year. Uh, in the short term, I think the biggest thing that will uh, that we'll see that will impact these calf prices is uh, winter grazing prospects. I mean, if it looks like we're going to maintain some uh, some pretty good winter grazing prospects, uh, that'll drive demand up on those calves. So those guys that have got those large grazing grounds are going to be looking for more calves to put out on winter grazing. So it may uh, tick those prices up a little bit. 700, seven to 800 pound feeder steers sold uh, between 138 and y'all that 138 that was on a light test. Uh, what I mean by light test, there just wasn't a whole lot of numbers of those out there on that light end. Uh, um, and so it, it's it's difficult. So USDA reports those numbers, but if you look at how many the, the auction barns run and that weight, uh, you'll hear them often referred to as a light test, and we did have that this week on that low end. Uh, high end, $1.65, so that was $15 lower to $4 higher when compared to the previous week. So on the low end, it was $15 lower. On the high end, it was uh, about $4 higher. Futures market settlements in the front months ended the week with September trading up $0.72 cents at $183.87. October up 60 cents at 184.95 and November up 55 cents at 186.25. Uh, so feeder cattle futures ended the week steady to $2 higher when compared to the week open. Uh, uh, there's still a lot of cows compared to the previous year. There's still a lot of cows in the slaughter. Uh, so um, prices have softened up. Uh, but I think the, the biggest thing, and I, I, I believe I've made this comment before, I don't remember. Um, I think one of the biggest things right now that's kind of slowed cow prices down a little bit is improved grazing conditions. Um, uh, a lot of the U.S. has received some much needed rainfall, so it's kind of softened up uh, those prices a little bit. Uh, lean coal cows, that's those uh, body condition uh, score fours. Uh, approximately fours, thin condition. They ended the week down three cents at 71 cents a pound. Uh, those utilities, that's those in a body condition score five or six. Moderate condition ended the week up a penny at 86 cents. And then those breakers, that's those in high condition ended the week steady at 86 cents. As we look at our feedstuffs, and uh, uh, this is also the time of year that uh, that you want to be thinking about booking any commodities or feedstuffs that you want to put uh, put in the uh, commodity barns um, uh, for winter feeding. Uh, now is the time to also to be considering that soybean meal down forty six dollars and fifty cents at four hundred ninety six dollars and sixty cents a ton. Soybean hulls are steady at one hundred sixty dollars a ton. Rice bran steady at one ninety a ton. Uh, we did not have a report this week on cottonseed meal. Uh, whole cottonseed up $5 at $415 a ton. 
corn gluten feed meal up ten dollars at seven hundred eighty dollars a ton ddgs uh up three thirty nine dollars and seventy five cents at two hundred eighty eight dollars a ton uh corn up 18 cents a bushel at seven dollars and one cent a bushel um and over the last couple of weeks you may have heard a lot about the uh um the big crop tour that takes place uh, across our 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 big air big regions of corn and soybeans and um and they uh they didn't give us a real favorable report on the corn and it shot corn up prices up again on us so uh, we're still seeing a pretty good tick up in those corn prices. Um, the uh, um, the past week, I had an opportunity to ride over towards the Mississippi River, uh, north up towards the Arkansas line, came across uh, some of those uh, those parishes there in the north part of the state. Uh, they're still harvesting a good bit of corn in that area. Um, they're finally able to get back out there. As Vince mentioned, we uh, we do have a good bit of damage out there just because of all the rain. So uh, typically when we think about hurricanes around here, tropical storms, they come in, they leave. Uh, they're typically moving pretty well. And it just seemed like uh, for about eight or nine days straight, it rained. And uh, we did have a, a good bit of uh, crop damage on, especially on the corn that was still out there and on those beans. Um, but uh, I, I'll echo what Lee and Vance both said in terms of pasture conditions um, and I, I think in some areas of the state some guys might want to actually consider getting out there and clipping some pasture putting it back into a more vegetative state um, uh, give them a, a little bit more higher quality forage to graze on uh, but uh, uh, those hay uh, hay fields are looking really really well uh, I think right now we just need a little bit of break so we can get out there uh, at the meeting, Ashley was mentioning Lee's got a producer up there uh, in his part of the world that uh, that fools with some summer annuals. Uh, uh, he wrapped some up last week, uh, so it'll be uh, interesting to see how he does well there in terms of quality. Uh, I saw some Bermuda grass hay get wrapped up in uh, as a high moisture product this past week. They just couldn't catch a break in the rain, so. Uh, those guys that have that technology out there uh, that they can put up some of that higher moisture stuff in a wrap, uh, they uh, they took advantage of that. Uh, but I believe that's all I've got, Ashley. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so we've mentioned ryegrass, of course, multiple times. And so I'm going to first mention Vince's webinar that he has next Tuesday, so a week from today. On the 13th, um, again, they'll be live at 10:30. Jason's going to be hosting him, um, but we don't. I don't think we've settled on an official topic. But I'm just going to say all things ryegrass, planting, planting, utilization. Vince is going to surprise us, but um, as as they've all <laughs> as they've all mentioned um, today, the importance of it, and now's the time to be doing that if you've not already booked seed and everything. So um, again, 10:30 next Tuesday, September 13th. That'll be live. We will get it um, recorded and up hopefully by the end of next week, I think um, will be the plan for that. We mentioned Vince's uh, Master Cattleman. I'm going through my list. Um, Jason, do you want to go back over your field day really quick? Yeah, thank you, ma'am. So uh, uh, September the 15th, J&S Cattle in Bastrop. Um, that's, uh, that's just north of Bastrop if you're headed out towards Marouge. 
the address is on the flyer. So Ashley, if you'll put that flyer in the uh, in the description, I'd appreciate it. Um, so our speakers on the day, Dr. Wink Allison with the LSU Ag Center, Dr. Ashley Edwards with the LSU Ag Center. Uh, we've got Dr. Chris Cassidy with Biozyme Incorporated. Uh, we've got Dr. Uh, Jeff Sarchette, uh, that's a veterinarian with Zoetis. Um, I think we've got a really good lineup of, of uh, extension speakers as well as private industry speakers. Uh, I think something neat that we're going to be doing is uh, uh, right after lunch, uh, the JNS uh, Cattle Ranch crew. Uh, so they they do a really good job of managing some some really high quality cow horses. Uh, they're going to be doing a, a, a working cow horse demonstration for us right after lunch. So just something a little bit different. It's not every place we go to um, that's got some really good cow horses on hand that they can demonstrate. So I think it'll be an interesting um, and just a neat caveat to this field day for folks to be able to see that. So many of us use uh, utilize side by sides or four wheelers or sort of are just on foot. And uh, uh, for us to be able to see something like that, I think it'll be neat. Thank you, sir. Um, Lee mentioned the pregnancy determination clinic, so I do have his contact and I'll put the phone number for the Hill Farm um, on that. Again, those dates were October 18th and 20th. And then the last event that I want to mention um, to go ahead and start thinking about putting on your calendar is the fall Acadiana Beef and Forage Field Day. So that's going to be Thursday, October 27th. Um, they're going to start at 5 p.m. And that's going to be at the Vermilion Parish Extension Office. Andrew Granger will be your contact for that. And I've got his email um, in the video and podcast description as well. So I think that that's all that we have for you all today. Um, and we will see you all again in just a couple of weeks.